This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. And we welcome you to a uh, Friday of Packer and Durham. 844-SAY-ACCN. But in all candor, we may not have a lot of time for phone calls today. Andrea Adelson is back on a Friday. And it's a jam-packed show. The guest list is five deep. And we cover a lot of ground here. Uh, ACC football star Sam Hartman will be here. At 8.15, ACC football star Grant Gibson of NC State will be here at 9.15. Roddy Jones will be here at 8 o'clock. We'll talk baseball. We'll talk football. We'll talk PLL maybe with Roddy Jones. Uh, Louisville legend Kenny Klein will be here at 8.30. He is the retiring associate athletics director of sports information and communications and we will wrap things up at 9.30 with Rachel DeCecco, who will preview Boston College in North Carolina in the Women's Lacrosse Final Four, which is today in Baltimore. And Andrea, the uh, impending weather in the uh, BWI area has forced a uh, rescheduling. They're going to go this afternoon. We'll get you the details on that uh, with North Carolina and with Boston College and Women's Lacrosse's Final Four. How are you on this wonderful Friday morning? I am pumped for a great show, Wes. I'm so excited for all the guests we have lined up. <laughs> and I'm maybe more excited about talking about pods. No, no, I'm not. I'm not more excited about talking about my predictions that will fail with what's going to happen <laughs> with football scheduling. <laughs> oh, by the way, Andrea Adelson is going there today, just so folks know. Uh, this ACC football schedule, this 355 concept that could potentially take shape in 2023, she's going to go there today. You know, Packer and I joked about this last week. We started saying yes, no, yes, no, principally me, not him. But Andrea is going to go there. She's going to tell you who she thinks your school is going to play in the three permanent. And there is a lot of consternation on this. I mean a lot. People are, and this is more than I thought, Andrea, which is fascinating too, because people are kind of up in this. They're like, they're in their feelings on it. And I'm surprised a little bit by that. I would think people would like the division walls coming down, two best teams, ACC, maybe get two, who knows, three in the expanded format, that kind of thing. But people are up in their arms and are in their emotions about some of this. Of course they are. It's college football. It's all about emotions and the passion and who are we playing and who do we want to see? Who do we hate? Who do we want to go and take a road trip to see? Who's going to come into our home stadium? And that's why I think there's uh, been so much consternation. And trust me, there are a lot of asterisks. I'm going to be placing around here so that when I'm wrong, I can say, wait, 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 I put an asterisk there. doesn't count that I'm completely wrong on that one. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out for me. It's not going to end well. All right. All right. It's coming up in about 12 minutes, and I promise it's electric, uh, and we will get to that with Andrea as well. Uh, all right. Let's get you caught up on a couple things. Uh, first of all, softball Super Regional started last night out in Stillwater, Oklahoma State beat Clemson by a final of two to nothing there. 
Uh, so the Tigers of John Rittman fall behind uh, one nothing in the uh, in the best of three. There, um, they will continue play in that uh, particular super regional uh, tonight. The baseball resumed yesterday in uh, Charlotte, and uh, Notre Dame beat Florida State five to three behind the efforts of outstanding pitcher John Michael Bertrand. Uh, they end up uh, he gives them eight strong innings. So Notre Dame wins 5-3 there. Now, Notre Dame behind uh, John Michael Bertrand uh, will advance into the semifinals as a result of the win against Florida State. Remember now, they're in pool play. So uh, with the win yesterday, Notre Dame will now meet either Virginia Tech or North Carolina. More on that in a moment. Virginia Tech last night hit four home runs, including back-to-back-to-back in six at-bats as they blew open the ball game against Clemson on the way to a uh, 18-6 win last night at, uh, at Truist Park in, uh, in Uptown Charlotte. I mean, uh, just about everybody, uh, Nick Bettison and Carson Jones, each hit two home runs in the ball game last night for the Hokies, who, uh, who were unbelievable in the first three frames last night. And they meet North Carolina tonight. That is a winner-take-all game in Pool A of the ACC Baseball Championship. So the winner of Virginia Tech-North Carolina tonight will meet Notre Dame tomorrow, scheduled at 1 o'clock on ACC Network. The other semifinal has been set since Thursday. And uh, you see the schedule for today. Uh, Virginia and Notre Dame in Pool D at 11 a.m., And I said this a little bit yesterday. This is the negative side of pool play. The game means absolutely nothing. Likewise, for number six, Wake Forest, and number three uh, seed, Miami, in pool C, they're just playing out the pool schedule. The one that has ramifications for tomorrow is the one at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, and they, they expect a big crowd at the ballpark, and they should get one for North Carolina, the eighth seed, and the top seed in this event, John Sheff's Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, we told you about Virginia Tech's win, Notre Dame's win. Georgia Tech beat Louisville nine to four yesterday. Drew Compton went four for five at the plate, drove in three runs. Um, the The situation for Louisville is really interesting. Since the Cardinals have come into the Atlantic Coast Conference, they've had terrific baseball success. Dan McDonald's one of the best baseball coaches in the country, but Louisville has only reached the ACC championship game one time. Uh, since joining the league, yet they're a consistent 41 team every year. So that gives you an update on where baseball is. Um, we told you Clemson fell last night 2 nothing out in Stillwater. Now, there are three ball games today. Uh, you can see Florida and Virginia Tech. That's on ESPN2 at 2 o'clock. Uh, that's from Blacksburg. Clemson, Oklahoma State is 6 o'clock tonight, also on ESPN2. And then... Late night on ESPN2, 11 o'clock, first pitch. That's 8 o'clock Pacific time. Game one for Duke in the softball Super Regionals against UCLA. So all the softball you can get your arms around is on ESPN2 later today. We'll get you all the lacrosse stuff and everything else. Now, to Andrea's section of this show, all the fire that's coming here in about eight minutes. Yesterday, in a – I mean – Just like out of the sky, Andrea, I don't know if you expected this. I did not yesterday. I thought it would be next week. Somewhere out of the sky yesterday afternoon, I don't know, at about, what, 2 o'clock, 
the entire first three weeks of major college football schedule was released. Did you expect it yesterday? I did not for some reason. No, I didn't expect it either. And as soon as ESPN sent out the release, the email dings, ding, 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 from every school that sends emails out that you're on the contact list, I mean, flooded the zone. So I can't tell you how many emails, I lost track uh, of how many emails uh, came in announcing those games, but it's obviously really exciting when you get to finally plan out what time the games are going to be, especially for fans who love to know, are we getting the dreaded noon kick or are we getting the late night kick? Uh, are we getting the primetime slot? Uh, it's always really exciting to map all of that out. And uh, there were some interesting game times uh, that uh, were announced yesterday. I, I think some of them, yeah. some of the noon kicks, I think maybe uh, took a little, uh, took people by surprise. Yeah, I want to go through, and I know we've got the ACC schedule here, um, including the week zero stuff. And there are two ball games. We touched on this yesterday. Uh, in relationship to our discussion about Florida State and North Carolina. Duquesne, Florida State, and Florida A&M, North Carolina, are both week zero games and both exclusives to ACC Network. Uh, Duquesne, Florida State at 5 o'clock on Saturday, August 27th, and then Florida A&M, North Carolina is 8.15 on ACC Network. And there are a few more week zero games, if you will, this year than there have been in previous seasons. Um I think, Andrea, the, one of these games that, that surprised me, uh, I'm glad to see, um, and I think this had been previously announced, I'm not sure, was West Virginia Pitt in primetime on September 1st all along? Because I'm glad to see that game in primetime. No question about that, Wes. I think it was. I was at the last Backyard Brawl, one of my first <laughs> jobs when I got to ESPN was covering the Big East. So I go way, way, way back with Pitt. Uh, and so being at that last backyard brawl, soaking in that moment, knowing that it was going to be a while until those two teams played, the atmosphere, the environment, it was a night game. Uh, Aaron Donald had an outstanding performance in that game. To see it back on the schedule in prime time, where it belongs, that is one game I have circled. I've already put the request into ESPN.com to get to that game. I'm keeping my fingers crossed <laughs> that that one happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I think the, uh, the early schedule, we'll get into this. The first league game, of course, is that opening weekend uh, in week one. Louisville visits Syracuse. That's going to be in primetime here on ACC Network. Um, Sunday night before Labor Day, you get Florida State and LSU. We had known that was coming at 7.30 on ABC. And then the Monday night game, of course, Clemson and Georgia Tech and the Chick-fil-A kickoff game uh, is 8 o'clock as well on uh, on ABC. Anything else jump off the page to you, Andrea, about some of these early schedules? Um, I, I know we got you know a road trip, NC State's at East Carolina. That's a noon game on ESPN. I mean, there's some, there's some really interesting games to just kind of get the season rolling, if you will. I think North Carolina App State is also a noon game. Those two noon kicks were mm. interesting to me, uh, especially in the state of North Carolina where there's going to be a lot of excitement 
from the opponent fan bases uh, for those games because it's an opportunity to host an ACC school and knowing how big and important those types of games are. Uh, the other one is week two or week three, Wes, refresh my memory, Miami in prime time against Texas A&M. Um, that is yep. obviously going to be a huge game to start out the Mario Cristobal era. We get to see where Miami stacks up against a program like AM that people are expecting uh, to be in the championship mix uh, this season. All of the uh, talk surrounding Jimbo Fisher and AM over the last month, obviously Jimbo very familiar with Miami from his time at Florida State. So that's one that I also right. have circled because I think it'll just give us a good idea of where Miami is and where Miami could go this season in year one under Mario. No, I think that's a really good point. In fact, it's uh, it's interesting. That primetime schedule that weekend features not only Miami at Texas A&M, uh, also in that fray is Texas Tech at NC State. Uh, that's a ball game, obviously, early season for the Wolfpack. We've already talked about the opener with East Carolina. And then you talk about playing uh, Texas Tech at night at Carter-Finley Stadium that week. And, and again, some of these other games were, uh, from a time perspective, were – were solidified, uh, you know, even on into the month of, uh, of November. So uh, we got some kick times, things like that. We'll have plenty of time to break that apart, obviously, as we work our way into the month of June. What we don't have a lot of time to waste, though, is anything that keeps us from Andrea Adelson's pod projections. <laughs> this is awesome. You know, you thought Twitter spaces with you and Hale the other day was going to be fire. This is going to be fire. Andrea Adelson has taken all 14 ACC schools, and she's told you she's figured out who your team's going to play. Like <laughs> it or not, she's projecting your three permanents. And when we come back, we're going to unveil it. Is it law? Heck no. But it sure is fun. Packer and Durham's underway on a Friday. It's a busy Friday, too. We will start projecting 355 models next on ACC Network. <laughs> This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Friday, Packer and Durham on ACC Network. Andrea Adelson's here. Appreciate her being here yesterday and today. Drew Carter will join me on Memorial Day Monday. And yeah, we're going to have a Memorial Day show. We'll be here bright and early at 7. You can sleep in a little bit, but uh, make sure you grab the extra cup of coffee, as they say. All right. Um, we kidded around about this a little bit last week on the heels of the trip to Amelia Island with this 355 thing. What are you fanning? No, no, it's not that big a deal. You're fine. You said it was fire. Um, you said it was fire. It is going to be fire. <laughs> because, <laughs> because here's the thing. And I'm one of these guys. I am guilty as charged on this. I'm fascinated by scheduling. I'm fascinated by the logistics of it. There's certain things I like about it. There's certain things I don't like about it. I don't like teams that schedule games in 2038 that never get played or 2035 or whatever the number is. However, I think when leagues go to the table and they have to come up with some formula, and in the case of the ACC, this pod thing is not – this is not something they just pulled out of thin air. In fact, I think – here, breaking news – I think the Southeastern Conference is going to end up with a pod model when they get to 16 teams, Andrew, with Oklahoma and Texas. I really do. I think that pod model 
is going to be prominent in the Southeastern Conference. So the ACC jumping to this 3-5-5 doesn't shock me. What does surprise me is that there are certain fan bases that think, oh, well, that means we'll just play A, B, and C. And that's not going to happen here because there are too many other integers involved in the equation. So you have taken a stab at projecting the three opponents for each institution, right? Now, take us through the evaluation of how you came up with this. And, uh, of course, you know nothing's in stone here. We're just having fun. But how did you come up with your three for each institution? So I did this right after we got back from Amelia Island and figured I would have some fun. Uh, but it wasn't a lot of fun because it was really difficult. And I ended up with uh, lots of eraser shavings on my desk, lots of papers in the trash can. Because you're right, even though it's like, oh, yeah, we're Team X. We'll play the three rivals that we've always had. There are so many other considerations when there are 14 schools. And oh, by the way, mm-hmm. there are some schools that have more rivals than others. There are some schools that don't really have a rival. There are some schools that aren't even in the same geographic area. And how do you figure out the geography? And oh, let's balance schedules and try to make them as fair as possible. Okay, yeah. Uh, when you take all of that into consideration, you understand why there were initially 60 different models uh, that they had to try and figure out. How are we going to do this? What's going to be best for not only keeping rivalries in place, but also making sure we're getting the best matchups, making sure we're going to be prominent on television, making sure we can get our teams in position to get multiple teams in the expanded college football playoff. A lot of factors at play, but when I sat down and looked at it, I took into consideration longstanding rivalries, geography, and also the knowledge that some of the schools in the north want to get to some of the schools in the south when I'm looking at the northeast quadrant. Uh, And so taking all that into consideration, trying to make it as fair as possible, I took a stab at it, and within the last couple of weeks since this has been out, I've already heard from fan bases, I've already heard from people saying, oh, that's not going to happen, and no, that's ridiculous, no, why are you giving us that school? Um, And I don't necessarily think that all of this is going to happen, but I do feel confident in some of the games uh, and some of the uh, pods uh, that I have uh, attempted to project. Well, let's start and I'm going to let you, and here's the other thing we're going to, I'm going to throw two caveats out there before we roll here. Number one, remember now, this is just speculation. We're just projecting here. This is not in stone. Number two, The other part that's going to come into play here is the math. And we talked about this briefly yesterday. There's a thing in this world called schedule balance where teams want to achieve the same number of home games if they can. That's a budget thing as much as it is anything else. It's a reason that a few years ago, Clemson and Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech tried to separate Clemson and Georgia being on their schedule at home the same year. With uh, So it would balance their budget out more annually as opposed to every other year they would have more ticket revenue because of Clemson and Georgia coming to Atlanta. Makes sense, right? Okay. The logistics and the balance we're talking about right now involves things like, okay, how many conference home games? You're only going to play eight games. Can you get four home and four on the road? I don't know that. That's left to be told. Andrew mentioned yesterday, you got four teams in the ACC that play – 
regular season finales against SEC schools. Can you balance that? I don't know that. So there's going to be a little bit of logistics involved in this, and you got to be nimble, as we all found out during the pandemic. That being said, here is Andrea's projections. You want to start with Florida State? Because to me, there are two schools here that are really flammable in this discussion. Florida State and Clemson are the two that, for some reason or another, they're connected to more schools than are really available in this process. Absolutely, they are. And so I'll start with Clemson. I feel very confident that they're going to keep Florida State on the schedule, right? That makes a ton of sense because that has been the marquee game in this league over the last decade, maybe not so much the last couple of years. But I think with all of us believing and expecting Florida State is going to return to prominence at some point here under Mike Norvell, that one has to stay on the schedule. Mm -hmm. Clemson NC State has to stay on the schedule. They've played a ton of times. I'm going to look at my notes here. 89 times the Textile Bowl. Uh, that has emerged also as another game that has been must-see TV in the ACC. And then Georgia Tech, they've played 86 times. It's a rivalry game. That one has been featured prominently uh, in prime time the last couple. So I feel pretty good that Clemson is going to get those three schools. And on the flip side of Florida State, you know they're going to play Miami, right? So they've got Clemson and Miami. Mm -hmm. Locked and loaded, ready to go, right? I feel really good. Triple check mark on that one. Those are going to happen. The wild card is, is Georgia Tech. Now, that one obviously makes a ton of sense from a geographic perspective, drivable for both fan bases. Uh, and so you could understand why I've got Georgia Tech down for Florida State. But if you're Georgia Tech and you're locked into Clemson and now you're looking at Florida State, well, that's going to give you a pretty difficult schedule right off the top if you're going to be playing mm -hmm. those two guys every single year. So that's why, to me, the Georgia Tech-Florida State game has a few question marks on it because I'm not sure that one is going to get done just for the sake of some scheduling balance. The one for Georgia Tech that I think is going to happen is Duke. Duke and Georgia Tech have played mm. 89 times. And again, when I'm looking right. at the uh, number of rivalry games that have been played in the ACC, and you look at the ones that have play been played between 80 and 100-something times, I favored those as some of the permanent uh, games. Now, you're very familiar with Georgia Tech, Wes, obviously. Uh, what do you think about the idea of Georgia Tech having to play Clemson, Florida State, and Duke? Do you agree, disagree on that one? Because that one I'm not so sure about. I think they're going to play Clemson. I see the I see the logic in Duke. I'm not convinced of the Florida State situation. Um, and it doesn't mean I, I think they play one of the two. How's that? I'm not convinced that in yeah. the in the end game Georgia Tech is playing Clemson, Florida State, and then Duke. I think I think there may be somebody else. It's either Clemson or Florida State. Duke makes sense, and then. And then I think you see somewhere else. Because to your point about the geography of this, not everybody's going to get their wishes. And I, you know, I saw your sheet and I started looking at it. And I think you're on most of it, but I think there's some intricacies within it where decisions have to be made that are beyond the control of the two institutions. Like everybody's got to give a little to get a little in this. And I think Georgia Tech's going to end up being one of those where it's Clemson or Florida State. Duke makes sense from a historical perspective, but I think their third school ends up being 
another one of the ACC members that is kind of in the outlier, if it makes sense. So potentially Louisville could be somebody that maybe goes for Georgia Tech. I'll be honest. I had the toughest time projecting Louisville, right? Because they're so new to the league and they didn't have a ton of time in the former Big East where schools like Miami, Virginia Tech, Boston College and Pitt had played each other and there's more familiarity there. Because Louisville had been jumping from conference to conference in its ascension, which has been a great thing for the Louisville program, there's just not a ton of history. Their biggest historical rival has been Cincinnati, which they also haven't been able to play um, in the Keg and Nails game. That one hasn't been something that has been featured or spotlighted. So when you're looking at a school like Louisville, all right, what do you do here? Because they don't have a ton of rivals, Mm -hmm. not exactly geographically located and centered. I would like to see Louisville mm-hmm. continue to play Wake Forest, uh, if only because those games have been quite entertaining uh, since they've entered the league and have had to play each other. I know Louisville fans, after I put out who I have for them, uh, Wake, Virginia, and Syracuse, not super confident in that. So let me just say that right off the bat. Tons of asterisks on Louisville. Uh, because I think they could go a lot of different ways with Louisville based on what I just said. Louisville fans want to play either Clemson, Florida State, or Miami. One of those three they want to have on their schedule, right? It's not going to be Clemson, probably not going to be Florida State. So now let's take a look at Miami, right? What do we do with Miami? A team that could go a ton of different ways just based on past history in the Big East and what's been established Mm -hmm. here um, uh, in the ACC, right? We know they're going to play Florida State. Obviously, that's a given. Now, when you start to look at Miami, do you try to get them to play Louisville? Because there has been a tiny bit of history there. Louisville recruits a lot in South Florida. That could be good from a geographical right. perspective. You want them to keep playing Virginia Tech. That has been an outstanding game, both in the Big East and the ACC. So I've got Virginia Tech from Miami because I feel that one needs to continue to be played because of what it's meant historically and because of what I think it could mean for the future in the ACC. And then I kept Pitt for Miami uh, because that, again, has been a a game uh, that has been played for a while. um, And I want to get some of those northeastern schools into the south. But I'm not sure Miami is another one beyond Florida State could go a bunch of different ways. And maybe they get Louisville in there instead of a Virginia Tech. Maybe they get Louisville in there Mm. instead of a Pitt. Uh, That one, I think, remains a work in progress. All right, I want to um, I want to hold here on this, and we're going to come back and we'll go through the rest of this in the nine o'clock hour. Because, and I'm glad you didn't even dive into the four North Carolina schools, because the four North <laughs> Carolina schools it. are like this this entity into themselves. Um, I will say this: it feels like BC and Syracuse have to play because of the Lambert Trophy, which is a Northeast Championship that is awarded by uh, the football college football hall of fame chapter up there in boston things like that and the lambert trophy's been staged for years it includes bc syracuse rutgers penn state is pittsburgh involved in that i can never pittsburgh is involved in it so it feels like syracuse should play maybe bc pittsburgh every year you feel like those two and then you get a another outlier geog- geographically the other question here is this and i'll leave this for nine o'clock in the, in the four North Carolina schools, if you're going to have State and Carolina play every year, which is going to happen, you're not going to get all three. 
but who are going to be your two? For instance, NC State and Duke are 20 miles apart, basically, and rarely play. So is NC State second of their three, other than Carolina, and other than Duke, and other than than Carolina, is Carolina going to be State, Duke, and somebody else and not Wake Forest? Or is NC State going to play Carolina, Duke, and not Wake Forest? See, that's the issue that, that is facing this logistics deal here. How do you work that out? And we'll save that for the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, 30 minutes in the books. Great stuff from Andrew Adels on these projections. Florida State and Clemson fans are already burning up message boards this morning. Um, when we come back, uh, we get into more, and we've got an In Case You Missed It coming up. But on the other side, uh, Andrew Brooks returns to uh, celebrate things that we've talked about this week in football. And he will do that next with True or False. Andrew Adelson gets to play True or False on a Friday next on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. I was a member of the KISS Army, Andrea. That's another story, though, for another time, by the way. Wait, 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 Wes. Wes, we got to see it. We got to see what you had to do as a member of the KISS Army. Come on. You know what I'm alluding what, to. Let's when go. In- Let's see it. Not doing Gene Simmons. I'm sorry. All right. Um, Come on! It's not. No. <laughs> no. All right. Drew Brooks is here, ladies and gentlemen, for a uh, Friday edition of True or False here on the uh, Packer and Durham program. Uh, look at that. What's up? How you doing? Uh, I was doing good, and then I heard that you were a member of the KISS Army, so now I just have a lot of questions. <laughs> I was 14 years old, 12 years old. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? 13. I paid my 10 bucks to be in the KISS Army. What do you want me to say? I want you to say we're calling Miss Jean so that we can get some photos of you, hopefully with some face paint. Or makeup, whatever they called yes. it. I dressed up like I dressed up uh, a friend of mine across the street, Tom Anderson, dressed up like Gene Simmons, and I dressed up like Ace Freely for Halloween one year. I think we were ten, and I'm not kidding. Ten. That is amazing. So now we definitely need pictures. We don't yes. have pictures. Yes. None of those pictures yes. exist anymore. Please. All right, let's get into a little bit. Right, let's get to your. Can we get to your portion of this program, please, Brooks? Can we get to your portion? On us, and we just we needed answers. Well, you played Strutter. Come, you played yes. Strutter coming out of the break. <laughs> okay, here we go. So way, true, false. Uh, can I ask you a question? Edition. Wait, 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 wait. Do you want to tell everybody? Packer tweeted this morning that he's standing outside a Golden Goose store in Italy. I mean, how funny is that? That they're back in the Golden Goose store. Uh, it will be Just funnier saying. if he walks back in, but uh, he's he's tweeted a lot. I was expecting him to kind of be MIA. I, I, we were told off the grid, Andrea. Andrea, we were told. <laughs> Ma- Drew, were we not told I'm going off the grid? We were absolutely told. And so the cutest photo ever, uh, Packer took a photo of Mrs. Packer taking a photo in Switzerland. Uh, so he, he's just all over it. <laughs> Uh, well, let's get into some true false right, questions. These are all football questions uh, in honor of Andrea, and we're going to start with Miami. Uh, so true or false, Miami will have double-digit wins for just the second time since joining the ACC. They won 10 games in 2017. 
Oh, oh, oh. Uh, see, Andrea, everybody thought, thinks this show's easy, don't hold they? Hold on. Hold everybody on. thinks this show's easy. I was told the questions were going to be easy and I'd be able to answer them without a problem. So uh, something got lost <laughs> along the way. That's not an easy question. <laughs> so true or false, okay. Miami right. will have double-digit wins Brooks. for just the second time since joining the ACC. Um, False. I think okay, they'll win Miami nine. I'm not sure they'll still, win 10. I, I agree with Wes. I think it's going to be nine. But Miami fans are still so angry at me because of comments I made during the coaching search that I'm afraid to say false because I don't want to open up my social media and see more angry Miami for fans with pitchforks demanding that I be fired. But I'm still going to say false. I'll take the risk. I think it's going to be nine and three. Okay. And it's just at a Adelson ESPN, right? <laughs> it's just that. It's just that, Drew. Perfect. Just that. All right, next question. Hopefully they Come get on, a little Miami. bit easier. Uh, true or false, Brendan Armstrong will lead the league in passing yards again this season. He had uh, almost 4,500 last year. Andrea? False. They want to try and run the ball. I don't know if they can run the ball, but I'm going to say false. Um, I will say true because he will have more attempts than anybody else in the ACC. I think Brendan Armstrong will – I think Virginia games will average easily 40-plus attempts a game. Easily 40-plus. Andrea, I think they're going to – I think they will ultimately, if if they cannot sustain, and I'm and here are my biggest concern. And we touched on this yesterday. I'm really concerned about the offensive line. I'm really concerned about developing the run game. And if they can't, they're going to end up shoveling the ball all over the field to people. Lavelle Davis. I mean, take your pick. Uh, Wicks. You've got. I mean, heaven knows how many different tight ends you've got. Mish is in there. I mean. I think they're really going to throw the football a lot if they can't get any sustained run game going. Now, if they can sustain any kind of run game with impact, they got a chance to – I mean, he's still got a chance to lead the league in passing yards, but they won't have to throw it as much. Totally fair. I totally get it. I spent some time at Virginia. They really want to try and run. Now, just because they really want to try and do that – and take the pressure off Brennan right. Armstrong doesn't mean that it's going to happen. The other concern is with the offensive line is trying to keep him upright and healthy all season long. Um, and that, especially with their backup quarterback situation being so uncertain. So that's another red flag for me uh, with Virginia. And I'm going to stick with, uh, I'm going to stick with false. All right. So speaking okay. of running the true. ball, true or false, Malik Cunningham will rush for more touchdowns than he throws again this season. He had 20 rushing touchdowns last year to 19 passing touchdowns. True. Oh. True. Yeah. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not convinced that. I mean, I think he's an incredible talent, uh, but I think his, I think his propensity to take a play and turn it into dynamite is uh, is the best in the ACC. I, I think he will run for more touchdowns than he throws for. Yes. 
Yeah, I'm going to say true on that one as well, just because anytime he's running, he is a threat to score. Uh, and in those situations, it's much easier to project and predict and say, okay, yeah, he's going to get a lot of rushing touchdowns. A lot of them not by design, just because he can and he has mm -hmm. the ability to do that. So I'll say true also. All right. I think this is going to be the hardest question, uh, but you might not think so. True or false, the <laughs> Coastal Division winner will have a better conference record than the Atlantic Division winner for the first time since 2011. They have had the same records three times since then, but the Atlantic Division has not had a better conference record since 2011. Wow. Woof. This could be mark the tape, Andrea. Be careful. This could be a mark the tape one. Oh, man, I thought the Miami question was going to be the hardest one. Um, um, I'm going to say true. I think the Atlantic overall is obviously much stronger, but much stronger top to bottom. And I think some of the weaker teams in the conference are all in the coastal. So therefore, if you that's what you believe and project, if some of the weaker teams are in the coastal, then the team that wins the coastal is going to be able to get a lot more wins. So I'm going to say true. Um, it's funny how this kind of comes back to the Miami question on 10 wins. <laughs> Because yes. if you believe if you believe Miami is zero or one in the division, then you probably think Miami should be ten and two as opposed to nine and three. And now that you've asked that question, Drew, I, I, I there's I should go back and say that I think Miami will win ten um, because I think they're going to win the coastal. I think they're going to win the Coastal, Ooh. and I think it's Miami and Pittsburgh that have to prove here. But to me, I'm not sure that there's a two-loss team in the Atlantic. I think the, the team that loses one wins the Atlantic. So then Miami would have to go undefeated. Does that make sense? It does. So your answer would be? My answer would be... Um, False. No, I think the, I think the Atlantic is going to end up being a. Uh, I think the Atlantic is going to have one loss champion. I think Miami's going to have one loss. So I think they'll be equal. I'm going to say false. All right, last question, and uh, candidly, this is a question I have asked Mark and Wes before, but I am very curious to get Andrew's answer on this. True or false? Oh boy, Clemson. We'll start the same quarterback in every game this season. <laughs> oh, not this question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I'm going to say, well, I actually discussed this question on a Twitter space a couple months ago, and I said I thought DJ was going to be the starter for the whole entire season. So I am going to stick with that. I think he's going to be better this year. I didn't see enough from Cade Klubnick in the spring to think that he's really going to push DJ here in, in the fall. Now, if something catastrophic happens and there's an injury or something, uh, then obviously they'd have to make a change. But I, I think they want to give DJ every single opportunity and then some and then some more on top of that and then a cherry on top of that. 
uh, to prove himself uh, and be their starter. So I think he's going to start every game barring injury. All right. Well done. You answered appropriately. Not that there's oh, a right answer, but you answered good. You, no, no. I, I said there'd be more than one. Okay. I said there'd be at least two. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I just okay. think that that's the, I mean, the, the scrutiny of that particular position with that particular team this year is going to be really, really interesting because it's almost like, and you know how this works. It's almost like there's going to be a referendum every Monday on the position. You know that, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's where this is yeah. going to get. And that is that was unthinkable for a, what, seven-year span with Lawrence and Watson and the one-year kind of in-between, right? And even to a degree, the back end with Taj Boyd. I mean, let's be honest. There yes. was that, you know, you had, you had eight years in a 10-year run where essentially that was an unquestioned type situation. Um, but it's, it's here and it's going to be a thing, I think. Um, and unfortunately, but then again, if their program, which I think is built on great culture and great foundation, they'll be able to handle it because the two kids understand kind of how that process works and whether everybody outside of it figures it out is irrelevant if they, if they're continuing to be successful. And I think they'll be so good on the other side that you'll have the ability to work through that this year too. I think they're going to be unbelievable on the other side of the ball. Um, yes. So that that part helps them as well. But uh, I don't think there is a right answer. I just think the question is hilarious. Um, all right. <laughs> when we when we come back, uh, Andy Alday will join us. Transfer who plays women's lacrosse at Carolina. She is headed to Baltimore, her hometown, as part of the women's lacrosse Final Four. Looking forward to her visit. In case you missed it, coming up next, Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham. Andrea Adelson is here today. Uh, coming up, 8 o'clock hour, Roddy Jones, Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman, and Louisville legend media poobah Kenny Klein. We'll be here. Looking forward to talking to him. How's that? Uh, who, by the way, just got another honor yesterday. He was so daggone good at what he did. They just handed out awards for him yesterday. So uh, we'll talk to Kenny about all that and more. Uh, to be honest with you, he's one of the best sports information people the business and the industry's ever seen. And he's retiring, and that's why we want to have him on, to be honest. And he deserves to be on because he's been that good for that long. Um Andy Aldave from Carolina transferred to Chapel Hill from Notre Dame to play women's lacrosse. Uh, great team, and now they're in the Final Four, and you'll see it later today over on uh, on ESPNU. Uh, Monday, she appeared on this program with Drew Carter and Dana Boyle, and uh, they asked her what the emotions were like going to her hometown to play in the women's lacrosse Final Four, in case you missed it. Super excited to kind of go home, bring my team there, see all my family, friends, and hopefully put on a show for them uh, for Final Four weekend. Well, Andy, you put on a show in the quarterfinals against Stony Brook. We were talking about it for a while earlier on this morning, but you guys got all you could handle from them. That was one of your closest games of the season, um, and you scored 
three goals yourself, a hat-trick to lead your team here to championship weekend. What was the biggest challenge that Stony Brook presented? Yeah, we knew they were going to give us a good fight. Um, They always do. They're a really tough and gritty team. Um, You know, I think obviously being at home, that was awesome for us, but we had a tough task at hand. Their their zone, which is what we face within their defense, um, was known to be the number one defense all season. So we kind of had our hands full with that. And once the game started, I think it took us a little while to get settled in, but um, we made a lot of in-game adjustments and that was huge for us kind of finding some openings. And I was lucky to be on, on the opening side of that and, and putting the ball in the back of the net for my team. But um, yeah, it was a great game. Honestly, I think it was something that our team needed a good challenge um, right before this weekend coming up. You mentioned the challenge, Andy, and you guys really haven't trailed at halftime. That was only the second time. Take me inside the locker room, Coach Jenny Levy. What did she say to motivate you guys? Because you came out in the second half on fire. Yeah, I think it was just playing Carolina lacrosse. I feel like I hear a lot of people say that and like whatever their team is. Um, But we knew going into the second half that we weren't we hadn't even been close to playing our game yet. So that was something to look forward to. And then just kind of sticking with it. We have this saying this year of um, refuse to go away. And I think that's something we brought to the second half. Um, You know, every possession, it it wasn't pretty and it wasn't perfect at times. And I think sometimes I was I was cringing when I was even turning the ball over. But, um, you know, I think we did exactly that. We refused to go away. And again, it wasn't a perfect game. And Sometimes the win doesn't always doesn't always look as good as it feels. But I think when we walked in the locker room after that game, we were like, hey, like that was an awesome challenge. And we're going to the final four. There's there's no reason to not celebrate this win. And I think we really we really felt that and we celebrated it. And y'all have been blowing the doors off pretty much everyone you played this year. Is it good maybe to play a close game? Like what are the, the positives of getting a challenge like that, especially this late in the season? I think so. I think this is the time to be challenged. And I think when you go into NCAAs, it's, you know, teams have nothing to lose. So they're kind of going for broke, um, you know, and I think obviously we talked about, you know, being the higher seed and the expectations with that. But I think at the end of the day, um, you know, we're looking at it one game at a time. And I think we were challenged exactly when we needed it. Um, And I think when we keep finding ways to win, whether it's, you know, we're in a 10 goal game, we're in a five goal game, or we're in a one goal game, or we're even trailing by, you know, a goal or two at halftime. We keep digging out these wins. And I think we keep adding it to our arsenal. And I think going into final four weekend and championship weekend, when you have all these ways to win, and you know, your toolbox is, is stuffed with things. Um, I think it can, you can be really hard to beat. So I'm super excited. And I'm really glad we had that in game experience. So for those of the viewers that don't know, you played your first career at Notre Dame, transferred to UNC. What has this experience been like for you now that you're in Final Four weekend when you didn't reach that with your Notre Dame squad? Yeah, um, I was definitely thinking about that when, you know, after we won going to Final Four for the first time in my career has definitely been a goal. And um, it's obviously a, a dream when you're a little kid watching you know, girls at this, the highest stage of um, your sport. So it's definitely really awesome. Again, I love my four years at Notre Dame and I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I think coming here, one of the goals was to win a national championship with this team and put this program where it deserves to be. And I think 
it's crazy looking around that this team has kind of been knocking at the door at the final four every year and um, they haven't kind of gotten to that national championship yet and you look at these players like Jamie Ortega and Taylor and Emma Trenchard and you're like for me I'm like you guys deserve a national championship and I'm like it's crazy they don't have one yet so if I can be a small part and kind of getting this program there and kind of giving these guys what they what they've deserved because I've been there and I've seen them in the final four like you said in Baltimore I've been standing at the fence and I'm like oh god like I wanted them to win so bad so um to kind of be on be on this squad is so special so I hope we can do it this year looking ahead you got to play Northwestern give us the scouting report on the Wildcats Ooh, um I was actually watching some our film from them uh, earlier on in the regular season. And it seems like so long ago, I think it was like early March or, um, you know, end of March, but I think we definitely are going to have our hands full. And I think they're playing some of their best lacrosse right now, as are we. So I think teams definitely change throughout the season and um, new players kind of come to the forefront. So I think for us, you know, they obviously have some great players, Lauren Gilbert, um, their goalie, uh, Madison Doucette, is playing some of her best lacrosse as well. So, um, you know, I think for us, it's, again, playing Carolina lacrosse. I think our defense winning our matchups there. And then offensively, I think it's working through our sets and kind of settling in a little bit earlier than we did um, against Stony Brook. And I think just being confident. I think we know, you know, we're the top seed. But I think, again, just sticking to our game and our game plan and trusting each other and Playing with love um, is a lot what we talked about and having our heart on our sleeve is going to be huge. And I think, again, we have a tall task at hand, but I think, like you said, everyone starts championship weekend 0-0. So I think we're really excited for this matchup and to see what we can do. Well, as you heard, North Carolina and uh, Northwestern later today, 1230 uh, is the first of the two semifinals in women's lacrosse. At the women's final four, that'll be in Baltimore. The men are up in uh, in East Hartford, by the way, to uh, play their final four also this weekend. All right, when we come back, hour two of the Friday program, Roddy Jones on deck. We'll get your football, we'll get your baseball, we'll just live in the world of Roddy Jones a little bit with Andrea Adelson, West Durham, Packer and Durham. Stay tuned on ACC Network. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371 and streaming on the ESPN app.